you know, he should have wanted to know me. He never once asked me a question about myself. In the last couple of episodes, I've heard from friends of Bev, there is a common theme that there was something about Rich that was concerning. Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Barb Jordan. With our guest today and in the upcoming episodes, we will learn how this story unfolds. Now, I started Always Bev to help others. I mean, that's why I started it, because my sister's killer was released from prison, and I just thought, there are people out there like this, like him, walking around, and, you know, sometimes we just are not aware of our surroundings. Sometimes things are too good to be true, and we don't follow our intuition, and we make the wrong decisions. And so that's what this podcast and this series on this part of the podcast is about. So it's about relationships. And when you think about a good relationship, maybe it's yours, maybe it's a friend's, that you really admire the way that they have fun, that it's trusting, that it's honest. There's a lot of good qualities that are part of it. And then we all know people that are in bad relationships and it's filled with manipulation, isolation, betrayal. Those are warning signs. Intensity, oh, that's another one. Things like that are warning signs. And when we take a look, and when I take a look at my sister's relationship with Rich, those are the signs that I see. I see the warning signs. One of those warning signs that I'm hearing repetitively is isolation. And that is her friends didn't really get to know him. And part of the reason is, now I remember them going out. I remember them socializing. I remember Bev getting dressed to go out. But they were going out with his friends, not her friends. And so that's concerning. That's concerning that he did not get to know Bev's friends, but more importantly, that the people closest to Bev were not able to get to know him. I want to take you back in time. I want to jump back into the memory of the Jordan household growing up, that my room was at the end of the hall, the last door on the left, and Beverly and Karen's room was the last door on the right. And I would always lay in bed at night and I'd wait for them to come home and I'd listen for the creaks in the hallway floor because if you stepped on the wrong creak, it would wake up my mom and dad. But I would always hear them in their room whispering and talking and laughing. And I really admired my my older sisters. As I tell you that story and I talk about my sisters, that leads us in to our guest today because our guest today is my older sister, Karen, who was the identical twin sister of Beverly. And when you looked at one, it was like you were seeing double. It was like you were looking at the other one. They sounded the same, they laughed the same, and they did almost everything together. I was big fans of theirs. I watched them. If they let me tag along, I listened. I listened to everything 
that they said. I wanted to be like them. And one of the conversations, it probably I probably heard it a handful of times or more growing up, whether I was across the hall or wherever I was, but the theme was their wedding day or when they get married. That was a conversation that I heard over the years. But now I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to fast forward through the tragedy of Bev being killed leading up to Karen's wedding day. And as the day got closer, Karen said to me, in all those times when I was younger and me and Bev would talk about our wedding day, I never visualized her at my wedding. And we're sitting at the kitchen table and out walks uh, Rich. And he just says, hi. The next thing I know, we're out by the pool. And he walks down. He's in a Speedo. I want to get to our guest today because this is a special guest. She is a star on this episode and throughout this podcast. I think she plays a big part simply in how she supports me. So I want to thank you for joining us. And it's fantastic to have you be a part of this. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. And I've told several people because I think I've always given you an out. Oh my gosh, my sister might be on the podcast. And do you want to know what their response was? Yes. What was their response? Oh my God. <laughs> First of all, I know leading up to this, I know that I was, I was nervous for you to be on the show. So I'm sure you had a lot of different feelings. How'd you sleep last night knowing you were going to do this today? Well, actually I had a dream about Bev. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Uh, she was happy. She was it, when she was really thin, and you know she was always so stylish in her dress, and she looked great. Yeah, that's our Bev. That's our Bev. You've actually been really lucky over the years because I can't tell you on how many occasions you've said those exact words to me. I had a dream about Bev last night. Yeah, I do dream about her often. Mm, you're so lucky. This one dream. And I don't mean to turn this into me, but I think it had to do with you and me. You told me that you were riding in the car. You, were, you had a dream you were riding in the car, and she was riding with you in the back seat. And she looked at you, and she said, now remember, Karen, you have to take care of Barb. I know you probably don't remember that, but boy, oh boy, I never forgot when you said that. And I just thought, she's something else, that woman. She's something else. <laughs> when you think of Bev and you think of the good times, what do you think about? Uh, let's see. Oh, we took a lot of vacations together. Oh. And we took this one vacation. Uh, we went on a cruise. And one of the islands we went to was Jamaica and we went to these Ochos Rios falls and we're in our bathing suits climbing up the rocks to these falls and then we get under the falls and the water's coming down over us. She was just like a little Miss Personality running around the cruise and all the guys <laughs> liked her and 
Did you did you like that you guys were identical? That people would you'd always get that that second look. Yeah, it was very special. Yeah. Well, what was it like? I mean, you did it, you know, through school, and you did it in your college days and in your sorority days, and when you worked together, what was that like? Well, people would say, "I I just saw you, and you were wearing something different." <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good. You have some favorite pictures. I know you have some some special memories. What's one of your favorite pictures when you go back and look through photos? What's something that catches your eye? Well, one of my favorite photos was when we first moved out. We rented a three-bedroom, three-bath condo with Bev and I and our friend Debbie. And Bev and I used to go out and buy Christmas trees every year. So there's one we bought a Christmas tree and we went to the store Gemco, which doesn't even exist in Granada Hills. And we bought our ornaments and we decorated the tree. And then there's a picture Debbie took of Bev and I under the Christmas tree. Oh, I love it. I'm hoping that you break that out every year. I have a lot of other pictures of uh, when we lived together in different apartments, decorating the Christmas tree and getting our Christmas tree together. That's a famous, yeah. that's a really great memory. Yeah, you, there's one. It goes all the way back to your childhood. I know this picture. You're actually hanging stockings. I don't know. You must be all of like eight Oh, I remember old. that. Yes, we're hanging stockings. Yeah, it's good times, good times. The sentence starts like this. Beverly and Karen, Karen and Beverly. I mean, that's what I remember. Like, you didn't just say Bev. And you never just said Karen. It was always Beverly and Karen, Karen and Beverly. It actually has this beautiful ring to it. Did you just like love hearing your names together? I think so. It just was normal. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think we thought everything, anything of it. It was just normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of things to miss. When you, when you think about Bev, what do you miss? What are some of those things? I miss our vacations together. I miss going shopping together. She loved to shop. She loved to buy clothes. I miss going to the beach together. Yeah. I miss sitting out by the pool together. Because when you do stuff like that, that's when the real talking takes place. Yes, you know, you work together and you, you know, you live together. But when you take time like that, that's when the real conversations come out. You, you work for the family business, so you see Bev every day. You talk to Bev every day, but somewhere along the way, she meets this guy. And were you there the night she met this guy? Do you remember that? No, I don't think I was there. Okay. So she meets this guy, and of course, she ends up telling you about him. And then, of course, you have the chance to meet him. So what's one of your memories of the very first time that you met Rich? Well, she had been living in an apartment in Reseda alone. And then the next thing I know, she said she's moving in with Rich in an apartment in Woodland Hills. And so it was a Saturday and I went over to see the apartment and we're sitting at the kitchen table and out walks uh, Rich and he just says, hi. The next thing I know, we're out by the pool and he walks down, he's in a Speedo. And I almost <laughs> fell over. It's like, who wears a Speedo? 
Yeah. That was disgusting. Yeah. Uh, did, did you say anything to Bev? Like, oh my God, why is he walking around in a Speedo? No, I didn't say anything. Do you think she was uncomfortable? Could you, could you tell? No, I couldn't tell. Mm -mm. Okay. Okay. Well, of course, you know, you guys always hung out and you, you went to their apartment on different occasions. When you would go over and see Bev, what would Rich do if he was home? He was always in his office. The second bedroom was his office. And he's always sitting behind the desk doing something. But he'd never come out and socialize. Mm. Did he ever come out and say hi to you when you got there and then go in his office? or was No. He only... mm. No. So he isolated himself from you. Yes. He stayed in the shadows. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, well, what were your thoughts when, do you remember, so they got engaged, all, the next thing you know, I mean, it was everything just kind of fell and in this category order, they, they met very quickly, they got engaged, and then they should move in together because, you know, they are engaged. What were your thoughts when she said, oh, I'm going to move in with Rich? Do you remember? You know, I was surprised. Mm. And I said, I don't want to be there when you tell dad. <laughs> Did she ever say anything how that conversation went? Yeah, we went out to lunch. It was Bev, I, and dad. And then she told dad. I just looked down. Oh, my goodness. He was not in favor of it. Of course not. Of course not. But he just said, you know, she was going to do what she wanted to do. Is that why it ended? I mean, is that why it ended up happening? Right. She, they had already signed the lease. I mean, it oh. was a done deal. She was just telling him. After the fact. Okay. Were you in favor of them moving in together? Not really, but it didn't matter. Right. It was already a done deal. Okay. And somewhere along the way, she tells you, again, just falling into this category, everything is systematic. They went from dating to being engaged to moving in. And then one day she says, oh, we're going to get joint bank accounts. Do you remember that? Yes. And I said, I don't think that's a good idea. Mm, good advice. Yep. And what do you, did she, did she respond to that? No. You Not know, that, Bev, she was strong-willed. If she made up her mind, she yeah. was going to do it. Yeah. So she was just, she would just share stuff with you to let you know what was going on, but it wasn't necessarily the fact that she was looking for your approval. She was kind of filling you in. Correct. Mm, mm. Did she ever tell you that uh, and she found out things along the way. Did she ever tell you that, that he was married, that he had been married? Initially, she, he, she told me he was married once, and then it came out that he was married twice, but she made me promise not to tell mom and dad. Mm. Because if you would have told mom and dad, what do you think would have happened? That would have been a serious red flag. Yep, yep. So she wanted you to keep a secret. Because I always think if, if we all knew the things about Rich that we found out after the fact, we would have looked at him differently. Yes. You know? We would have asked. Mom and dad would have grilled him. Being, right. being divorced once, let alone twice, you know, in his early 30s. Right. So I, I think that, um, you know, 
he hid from us and he got her to hide things, I think, from us as well. Just, and what I'm finding is, is she confided little, little pieces of him to different friends. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. She never told anybody the whole story. She would just share bits and pieces. Yes. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then now that they have joint bank accounts, one day she comes to you because you sell insurance and she says, we're going to do life insurance policies. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it because, you know, Rich had life insurance through his work and he was going to add her as the beneficiary. So now she was going to get a policy to protect him. Oh, again, just a nice, simple plan. Just, I'm doing this for you. You should do this for me. Right. Hmm. Do we know if she ever saw that life insurance policy of his, if it ever really existed? No. Yeah, we don't know that. So he said a lot of things that we don't know are true. And who knows if he ever really did have a life insurance policy, naming her as the beneficiary, but he manipulated it. So she would get one for him, naming him as the beneficiary. Right. Mm. So did the paperwork get started on that? The policy? Yeah, the application was issued mm. and I gave it to her, but she never signed the delivery, the delivery receipt and never gave me a deposit to activate the policy. Hmm. Who didn't know that part? Who didn't know that it had... Um, not been activated. He, who thought that it was activated? Yeah. Yeah. He thought it was activated. Mm -hmm. and he, he wanted did. the money. He wanted the money. He did it. He was so in debt. Yeah. Did you know that he had filed bankruptcy at some point in his life? No. Yep. So many things came out on him. So many things. So, and I think, you know, I appreciate you being on this show because First of all, it shows how strong you are. I mean, you being on this show speaks volumes about you. And then anything that you share is enlightening to others because that's what, to me, Always Bev is all about. It's about helping others learn from this tragic experience, not only that we lived through, but that we continue to live through. You know, it's something that will never leave us. You know, it's just, it's just part of us. And I, I thank you for all these little things that you're sharing because I know there's people out there that can identify with this. And that's the most important thing is that we can help, we can try to help others. When you're engaged to someone, you should want to always be with their family and engage in family activities. I'm not saying all the time, but you know, you, he should have wanted to know me. He never once asked me a question about myself. Mm. What, what is it? I mean, you know, women have excellent intuition. How did you feel when you were around him? Like maybe it was the first time he walked out to say hello, or maybe it was just other times, whether it was, you know, at, at, at a meal or at a bar. How did you feel around him? I never really liked him. Hmm. But he, you know, she loved him. So I just wanted her to be happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you ever like, you know, we talk about intuition, like, I don't know, it's kind of a, 
your stomach turns. I know, I know our family for us, we get it in our stomach. <laughs> we got nervous stomachs. Do you ever remember just feeling uneasy around him or just the fact that you knew there was something? What was it? What was it that you didn't like? Could you put your finger I on it? I put my finger on it. Hmm. So looking back, I always say he was too good to be true. You know, he wanted us to know what he wanted us to know. And that on paper, he was a lot of good things. He was working on his third master's degree. You know, he drove a nice SUV with this personalized license plate and he had a good job that he made us all aware about his good job but he didn't tell us so many other things about him about himself and so you know I, you know I think I know he fooled me you know I just saw what I saw and what he wanted me to see but hindsight you know I do believe that there were warning signs yeah just so, a lot of pain just a lot of painful memories of coming into work one day and her, her desk is empty and dad said oh Bev's going to be late today and she never showed up and then that night there's a knock at the door and I because Bev and I live really close to each other and I thought oh yay that's Bev she's coming over to say hi to me and when I open the door it's mom and dad to tell me she's been killed I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I have heard you tell me this story in great detail. I've heard mom share this story with me in great detail. And I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry that you had you know, to I don't want to really talk that. about it anymore because it's too painful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Listen, and we're not going to talk about it anymore because I, I think that you are tremendous for being on this podcast. And I know a lot of other people are going to uh, learn from it. So I want to tell you this. I love you so much. And that I'm blessed because when I look at you, I also see Bev because you are identical twins. And when you write me little notes, I see Bev's handwriting in your notes. And when you encourage me and you get excited for me, I hear Bev in your voice. So I know that she's with you. And, you know, and I'm always going to be with you and we're always going to take care of each other. Yes, we are. Yep. I'm proud of you, KJ. You landed on your feet. It, it's a miracle. But you did it. You're strong. You're confident. And every day and every week and every month and every year, you get stronger and stronger. And that is why I'm so proud of you. Well, I'm just going to say I couldn't have done it on my own, and I'm a believer, and Jesus gives me the strength to persevere, and my hope is in him, and he knows my struggles, and he has always been walking with me side by side to help me one day at a time, and to be the best I can, and to do the best I can, and he gives me what I need, so praise God, because he's the one who has gotten me where I am today. All right. Listen, you're so great. You're so terrific. I will say to you, I want you to be on this again. And you're going to say, there's no way in the world that I'm doing this again. And I'm okay with that because you being here says so much. So I know there's a lot of people cheering for you. And thank you so, so much for being part of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I love you, Barb. Love you too. Thanks so much. 
Coming up in our next episode, we will have a one-on-one interview with the detective who handled my sister Beverly's case over 30 years ago. That interview is part one of a two-part series with that detective. Keep in mind this series on Bev's story is seven episodes in season one. If you have a story you'd like to share or for more information, please visit my website at alwaysbev.com.